0: ben jarofsky show benny j bonus interview is brought to you in part by the international association of machinists and aerospace workers local 126 and district 8 the international brotherhood of electrical workers local 9 the international union of operating engineers local 150 and the chicago federation of labor benny j take it away bonus time in the ben jarofsky show as i speak it's april fool's day yep wednesday april 1st 2020 but this is a bonus, so you could be listening to any time, as I do with all bonus shows. I ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. This is Nick Dumke, Bob Dylan Geek. <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> Among other things. Yes, Nick Dumke, uh, investigative reporter, journalist, a longtime colleague and friend of me, uh, husband of Ramada Hussein, a big starting the show every Friday. Uh, but I've been warning listeners, Mick, about this show for a while now. So one more time. Anybody tuning in, if you expect to hear Dunkey going on about uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot or Mayor Rahm Emanuel or Mayor Daley, how, how Governor Pritzker is responding to the coronavirus epidemic, what's his thoughts on Donald Trump? Is Donald Trump worse than Richard Nixon? You're not going to hear any of that today, or maybe you will. Who knows where this conversation will go? Uh, I've been promoting this uh, all day. This is uh, a conversation I've been wanting to have since Saturday when out of nowhere, Bob Dylan uh, dropped a new song, uh, Murder Most Foul, a 16-minute song uh, about, uh, well, ostensibly about John Kennedy. But Mick, why don't you, uh, and by the way, I reached out to Mick. I said, who is the best person to talk to about this? And folks, when I reached out to him, I knew he was because he's a total Dylan geek. And uh, he took the bite, and he said, yeah, I'll do it. So here we are. All right, Mick, just give some folks some back, <laughs> background on this song. It came out of nowhere. Tell us what you, uh, you know about it. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, at the end of last week, I think it may have actually been last
1: Friday. Um, that's when I first heard about it. Uh, someone texted me, another reporter, by the way, who is otherwise busy covering the uh, Covid nineteen outbreak and all the repercussions. Um, texted me thankfully to talk about something else and said the new Dylan song sounds like someone who is winding up all of his affairs and sort of uh, tying up loose ends. That's what the song sounds like. And I I was like, that sounds fascinating. What Dylan song? So immediately you know went online and. Proceeded to listen to it incessantly for most of the last several days, as I think you did, Ben. Um, first new Dylan music in eight years. His last album, uh, Tempest, dropped in 2012. He's had a uh, his last album of all new material that is dropped in 2012. He's had a couple albums where he um, has been covering Sinatra and other old standards, um, which uh, I, I I really didn't get to far into myself, but um, loved Tempest, and there's speculation that this song came out, or was recorded, I should say, um, around the same time as Tempest, sometime in the last uh, decade, just because of the sound of his voice, and um, just kind of the, the, the overall vibe of the song, uh, but nobody heard it. Nobody
0: publicly heard it until uh, just a few days ago. And when he dropped it, he had a tweet That's something along the lines. Thank you, fans, for your, uh, you know, paying attention to me all these years and your loyalty. Uh, So there was no explanation as far as I know of. Have you seen any explanation where Dylan saying anything remotely why at this time of all times he dropped the song?
1: No. uh, But it sounds like it's not coincidental that he did it at this time. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll read the act, actual contents of the tweet. Um, greetings to my fans and followers with gratitude for all your support and loyalty across the years. This is an unreleased song we recorded a while back that you might find interesting. Stay safe, stay observant, and may God be with you, Bob Dylan. So... Uh, <laughs> You know yeah. <laughs> cryptic as Bob Dylan ever <laughs> is, uh, yeah. yet um not coincidental that at this moment in history he comes up with a a, a a bombshell of a song that is um ruminating on um on other dramatic moments
0: in history yeah uh, well we'll we'll just get
1: classic just classic Dylan, yeah, and I mean, you know.
0: Now, I was going to play a snippet, but my legal advisor, producer Dennis, urged me not to. That's correct. Uh, yes, Robert Mueller weighs in, too, uh, because uh, Bob Dylan, of course, would is a big fan of the show and would be listening and then send us a cease and desist letter uh, just but I'm sure most of the geeks out there who are listening to this probably have <laughs> listened to the song as many times as we have, and so this is what I want to say before we start taking the deep dive into the lyrics. And again, it's 16 minutes long. There's a lot of lyrics. This 17 is 17 minutes and s- six, 16, 1654 or something like that. 1654. So. I sit corrected. Yeah. It's it's not. It's not even. I, I hesitate to call it a song. It's more like a, a a poem with music in the background. How would you describe it, Mick?
1: That's that's right. I, I agree with you. There is no chorus. There's not like a verse chorus structure. There's no sing along moment. Um, there's internal rhyme and and whatnot. as is, is is the case with Dylan's work going back to the '60s? Um, there's a lot of wordplay. I mean, uh, there's just so many references. So much wordplay. I saw that NPR posted a piece about um, finding at least references to at least 70 songs. So they've created a playlist of dozens of songs that are referenced in this one piece by Dylan, but you're right. It's almost like, uh, it's almost he's singing. It's not, it's not quite spoken word. He's singing, but really the, the, the musical accompaniment, I don't want to say it doesn't go anywhere because it seems to sort of rise and fall with, with Dylan's voice and in the lyrical content. But you're absolutely right that it's not a traditional song in the sense of like, here's the chorus. Let's turn this thing up and sing along with it as we're, as we're driving down the highway.
0: Yeah. It's definitely not a driving down the highway kind of song where you open up the <laughs> windows, let the hair, let the wind whip back your hair. I think I stole that from Springsteen. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, so it's not that kind of song, and I just want to say it's probably not for everybody, to put it mildly. I sent this song out when I finally saw it, and I immediately sent it to you, and you'd already seen it, of course. Uh, I sent it to somebody who uh, is a, uh, lo- really loves, how do I put the, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, okay? That's kind of, in hey, Joni Mitchell-like era. And so I sent it to this person, and she responded, I don't like it at all. I like... Uh, blowing in the wind and tambourine it's like okay poor dylan uh i guess that
1: well all right first of all we got to jump in if the last dylan song you like is from 1964 (laughs) 1965 you definitely won't like this yeah um and, and even if you and i were to agree which i don't by the way that that was his peak artistically he's made a lot of great music in the intervening you know 50 years um, 50 plus years he's made he's made a lot of like very strange and uh borderline unlistenable music as well but he's just made he's made some great records especially like the last i would say he's been really uh on a high note had a revival kind of in the late 90s and through the through the 2000s and um so this to me is of a, of a, the
0: same ilk as some of his great albums from the arts and the, the early 2000s. Yeah, and, but in, in defense of this person, I just remembered she also mentioned Blood on the Tracks, which is 1975, I want to say, or 74. That's correct. So That's correct. <laughs> it's a little more modern than 63 or 4, but <laughs> uh, point well taken. All right, let's move into the song itself. Again, as I um, said, it's uh, dealing, it starts with uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy assassination. And I'll read the opening line, Mick, and you tell me what you think when I read this. Uh, it was a dark day in Dallas, November 63, a day that will live on in infamy. President Kennedy was a riding high, good day to be living, and a good day to die. It's a pretty good opening.
1: It is, although it's really, it's it's in some ways the weakest part of the song. I mean, it's it's the most spelled out. He's sort of saying, you know, obviously broadcasting, this was the murder most foul I'm talking about, is uh, the Kennedy assassination. Um but uh, I also feel like he's playing with us just from the beginning. I mean, um, good day to be living and a great good day to die. I mean, who who actually thinks it was a good day for Kennedy to die? So in some ways, you know, Dylan does this a lot there. Um, you and I talked about this offline many times where um, he, he sometimes throws lines in there just because they kind of, Sound good, but he's messing with you. Yeah. You know, like there's a there's a sort of irony to what he's throwing out there, and so obviously a good day to a good day to be living and a good day to die. That's a cliche, and Dylan is sort of using it, I, I think, to be ironic and kind of to set up, you know, the next sixteen minutes of the song. So, yeah.
0: well, it, 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 again, with Dylan, you could have two arguments with it. So you're absolutely correct. It could be. I, he just needed a way, a phrase to get to the next sentence, which is generally my theory with complicated Bob Dylan lyrics. It's like he just had to get to the next sentence. He just threw anything out there. Yeah. Uh, it could be that he's messi- messing with us with a cliche, or he could be making a point. It's a good day to be living when you're the most popular president of the United States and you got a beautiful wife and you're on a campaign trip in uh, Texas as you sew up your reelection, get ready for a reelection that you'll probably win. And it's a good day to die, meaning it's a good day for the people who are trying to kill you to kill you. So it could go either way with it, Mick. Um, There you
1: go. That's that's fair. Yeah. And
0: and then that that leads us to uh, the next part where he kind of lays out his theory uh, about uh, Kennedy's assassination. I'll read it. Being led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb, he said, wait a minute, boys, you know who I am. Of course we do. We know who you are. Then they blew off his head while he was still in the car. Shot down like a dog in broad daylight was a matter of timing, and the timing was right. You got unpaid debts. We've come to collect. We're going to kill you with hatred without any respect. And it goes on from there. Uh, What's your thoughts about that passage?
1: Well, um, like the actual like the actual uh, assassination and how it came about. I think you could take it a lot of different ways. Um, you know, who is the we here, Ben? I mean, you know, that's later he name drops uh, uh, Jack Ruby and, and Oswald, um, which is, I don't know if you're planning to go through the whole song point by point, but that's uh, that at that point, I think it's kind of the pivotal point of the song, but, here, I think, you know, um, again, he's either, he's doing one of the two things we discussed before. He's either kind of like, uh, he's he's literally talking about the Kennedy assassination, but then he's talking about a bunch of other stuff yeah. at the same time, you know, um, matter of timing and the timing was right. You've got unpaid debts. Like, does he really mean that Kennedy had unpaid debts or is this like America has unpaid debts, you know, um, which is kind of the way I took it, but it could, it could be both
0: of those Yeah. Things. In other words, the chickens come home to roost for America. Uh, Exactly. exactly. And then uh, we're going to kill you. The next line, we're going to kill you with hatred without any respect. We'll mock you and shock you and we'll put it in your face. We've already got someone here to take your place. So this gets into the notion, we've already got someone here to take your place. This gets into notion that the we in the sentence are conspirators who've decided uh, that it's inconvenient to have Kennedy as a president of the United States for whatever reason, and they rather have his vice president take over, and that, of course, would be Lyndon Baines Johnson, so that's the we've already got someone uh, for your place. So that's like the most literal interpretation of the song, and as you were saying, you never, you could always be on thin ice when you try to do that with Bob Dylan, because he could just look at you like I wasn't saying that, man. I can't believe you thought that. Uh, that's my Dylan. That's my Dylan imitation. Uh, it's, not, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Mick Dumkey, man. Yeah, I, I think. <laughs> but go ahead.
1: You know, I, I one of the times I saw Dylan live, he uh, introduced "All on the Watchtower" by um, noting that you two had covered it most. Uh, I don't even know if it was most recently at that point, but you two did a cover of all are in the watchtower in like 1988 or something. And I saw him, you know, a couple of years later, and he said, you know, this is a song you two covered, but the problem is they didn't get the words right.
0: You know, <laughs> Nick, I've never heard hey, you and, imitate you know, anybody before. No, it's your Bob <laughs> Dylan imitation. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, well, you know, the, the,
1: the amazing thing about that, this is a, a side note is that Dylan often doesn't get his own words, right? I, yeah, You know, there's a whole debate among Dylanologists, Dylan geeks, whatever you want to call him about when he uh, changes the words in his, li- the live version of his songs, or he, he emphasizes certain phrases differently. Uh, is that just him trying to keep himself interested after performing the same songs for 60 years? Or is that because now he wants us to, take away a different element of the song or they mean something different than what they did when he first wrote them down. And it's, you know, probably something different on each day. Who knows? I mean, we're, we're saying all this Dylan is sort of like the, the, the trickster musician, yeah. right? I mean, and, and that's, I think part of this, this whole song. So
0: yeah he's the trickster and if uh i recommend anybody if you if you haven't already taken the deep dive into uh, dylan there's a documentary from 1965 i want to say i believe it's called don't look back and it uh, i don't know if you've ever seen that mick in um uh, i have yeah i'm obsessive about it it's uh dylan at his most annoying obnoxious uh heights where he's but tormenting and teasing reporters who ask him questions. Uh and it gets that to what you're saying. Like when he anything he does has such symbolic value that people try to read stuff into it and then he just mocks you. He goes, Why are you doing that, man? I'm he go, I'm a, just a song and dance man. Remember when he said that? I'm just a song and dance yeah, man Yeah, yeah. Uh I can't imagine it's every single I
1: think the genius I'm sorry. talking over you. Yeah I think ahead. the genius of that that movie is, especially when you watch it now or you know recent times, is like it really it really captures a moment where Dylan is um, is just sick of the hype. I mean, he was he was such a huge you know phenomenon at that time uh, when he broke out and everyone wanted him to do different things. I mean, there were all the the folkies who wanted him to continue to be a protest singer. you know famously rejected that and uh went on he wanted to write other kinds of songs he didn't want to just be writing uh you know acoustic guitar strumming folk songs anymore but it really captures sort of the origins of Dylan becoming that trickster figure where it's kind of like he just doesn't want to deal with the fame and the hype so he's going to create that, that movie shows him being cranky and, and being condescending at yeah. times and just kind of a jerk, like you're saying. But it also sort of answers the question of why here we are in 2020, Dylan would drop a 17-minute a song out of nowhere without really much explanation. It's because, you know, not many people, if anyone, knows who the real Dylan is at this point in time, yeah. you know. And he just created so many different personas for himself over the years. And I think that's just a way to like say I don't want to be part of the the hype, you know. I want to I want to do my own thing the way I want to do it, and just I guess his sense of humor too.
0: Well, just the uh, the the tweet that he wrote as introduction is unthinkable from 1965 when he did that movie or 64, I can't remember. I think it was 65. It's unthinkable. He's expressing gratitude to his fans. In the movie, he has true. he has disdain for absolutely everybody, you know? And he mocks. He, he mocks the people who want him to play acoustic songs he um uh he mocks the reporters who come around asking him questions he mocks Donovan you know but he starts this one off with um you know showing his appreciation uh for uh, his fans so yeah all right here we go here then then here's like the switch so after he set up the assassination of Kennedy and led us to sort of think that he subscribes to conspiracy theories that it wasn't just a random gunman, uh, but that, in fact, it was uh, a plot contrived by the most powerful people in the the country to uh, guarantee LBJ take over. He writes this. Wolfman, oh, wolfman howl. Rub-a-dub-dub, it's murder most foul. Hush, little children, you'll understand. The Beatles are coming. They're going to hold your hand. Slide down the banister, go get your coat. Ferry across the Mersey and go for the throat. There's three bums coming all dressed in rags. Pick up the pieces and lower the flags. I'm going to Woodstock. It's the Aquarian age. Then I'll go over to Altamont and sit near the stage. All right, Mick, decipher that for us. (laughs) All right, well,
1: very quickly, the end of the Kennedy stuff, there are a couple lines I thought that were pretty interesting before he transitioned out of there Okay. um, where he said, Thousands were watching, no one saw a thing. And then a couple lines later, uh, right there in front of everyone's eyes, greatest magic trick ever under the sun. Uh, You know, obviously alluding to the fact that uh, there's still really no clear answer all this time later about, you know, what happened with Kennedy's assassination, who actually was behind it, and that sort of thing. So um, I I just thought that was really interesting because especially – again, you're, you're always, it's always dangerous to overanalyze Dylan, but in this day and age where we're so privy to so much information uh, you know, the social media and everything. I mean, it's just like information. You, you have as much information as you want. You have to work hard to, to cut yourself off from the stream of information. And it just, you know, this is with Dylan. I'm always, we're always guessing he's addressing something that we, we don't see right on the surface level of the words, right? So the fact that something is happening in front of our eyes, a greatest magic trick, perfectly executed, skillfully done, I just think that can apply to a whole host of things going on in American and world politics right now. Absolutely. So-
0: I'll, I'll take it one step further. Uh, I agree with. Your analysis about the internet—we're we're bombarded with all sorts of information, it's the, but the relevant stuff that we really need to know and want to know is somehow or other eluding us, and we're, it's mis- a mystery. Sure. And, and so, in this particular yeah. case, it's a, again, it's it's two meetings. You could read it. Thousands were watching; no one saw a thing. So you're talking about the thousands of people who lined the street in Dallas, and were thousands watching on live TV, uh, or you could talk about. All the people in the uh, like the FBI or the CIA or law enforcement, right. who were watching up until this moment, but you know how it goes, Mick. They miraculously closed their eyes, they didn't see what that was right in front of them because they were in on it. So it could be, you, you know what I'm saying, it could work two ways. Uh, classic Dylan, right? I, I, when absolutely. I saw, yeah. absolutely, yeah, uh, so, uh. A greatest magic trick ever done under the sun, perfectly executed, skillfully done against, again, applying that it was a hit. It wasn't just a random gunman, that it was part of a conspiracy. Uh, implying right. All right. Then the pivot to Wolfman or oh, Wolfman. Uh, and,
1: right. And to these cultural references um, that start in the 60s and then they kind of move forward from there. Um, so the Beatles are coming. They're going to hold your hand. Obviously the first I believe that my, my beatle loving wife is sitting nearby. Um, I believe I want to hold your hand was not the first charting single in the United States by the Beatles. Um, th- yeah, 1964, right after right. this. and then yeah, so then you go on from there. "Ferry Cross the Mersey" is another. Uh, that's a reference to another pop song of the era. I forgot by whom, but Jerry and um, the Pacemakers. There you go. Um, what a geek. and then we go on obviously
0: <laughs>
1: we go on obviously to some other landmark uh, you know 60s cultural events Woodstock uh, you know the Age of Aquarius reference but the the hippies times and Altamont um, we're obviously near the and he says we'll go to Altamont and sit near the stage where obviously there was another infamous uh,
0: killing uh, there near yeah. the stage right so yeah, where the um, Rolling Stones were performing perform. and the Hell's Angels killed somebody in the um in the audience. Uh so Exactly. And so the Wolfman, what is Wolfman? Like the chorus? Is that it? explain Wolfman, Mick.
1: Well, Wolfman a Wolfman, and later he says Wolfman Jack, who obviously was a famous DJ from the sixties, right? And so uh but I just I just think he's you know, he's just using that as like some sort of jumping off point. I you know, it's kinda like some people say, you know, Baby or uh, Springsteen throws in a, a Mary now and then. He addresses <laughs> some of his songs to Mary. Yeah. You know, I, for whatever reason, uh, Dylan decided to use Wolfman, Wolfman Jack as the, you know, sort of the person. This is as close as you get to a chorus in the song, you know. Rub-a-dub-dub, it's a murder most foul. And then he continues to, uh, at different points, he brings up uh, Wolfman again and, and uses... Uh, music in particular as a way to sort of get at, I think, uh, just a wide range of uh, American historical events.
0: Yeah. And it, it goes on, and i I'm, I'm got on my eye on the clock, because I know you have an incoming call. I don't know if I should go through all these lyrics. Like you said, it's 17 minutes uh, worth yeah. of, of lyrics, um, including this phrase, in. in In the song goes back and forth between commenting on the Kennedy assassination till more references uh, to cultural, to songs from the 60s and the 70s, et cetera. And here we go. Uh, Tommy, can you hear me? I'm the acid queen. I'm riding in a long black Lincoln limousine, riding in the backseat next to my wife, headed straight on into the afterlife. I'm leaning to the left. I got my head in her lap. Hold on. I've been led into some kind of trap. Where we ask no quarter, and no t- quarter do we get. Uh, we're down. We're right down the street from the street where you live. They mutilated his body and they took out his brain. Man, he's just like this is this is riff he goes on. He's like cutting back and forth between the cultural references, the Kennedy assassination, his conspiracy theories. Are you seeing any kind of like a la- larger uh, theme emerging from this Mick, or is he just riffing yeah. and having fun with us?
1: Well. I think it's I think it's both of those things. Again, I mean, um, as we keep saying, this is a guy who, uh, this is his idea of a good time. I think is to make all these cultural references to get us all like, you know, um, it's like we're back in college or in an English class and we're we're you know trying to analyze G S L as a wasteland or something. And you know, what's every single reference in here? I mean, there's just so much. You, you know, it's like the only song I know of where there are references to John Lee Hooker, Tommy by the Who, uh, the gangster Bugsy Siegel, uh, uh, Gone with the Wind. Uh, I mean, you can just go on and on. So there's one after another. Encourage everybody out there um, who is a fan either of Dylan for sure, but even if you're just a fan of like cultural stuff and you got some time on your hands these days. It's worth just reading through this. I mean, there's Shakespeare in here. There's, uh, it just goes on and on, you know. Uh, jazz references, blues references, um, stuff that probably you and I haven't even noticed, right? There's old gospel songs yeah. referenced in here. So, so what's the point? That's what you're. That's what you're asking. Yeah. Um, I think some of it is just to be playful, but there is also there's a line in there that really struck me as, um, if there's kind of a a, a, a thesis line in here i think this is it and it says um what is the truth and where did it go ask oswald and ruby they ought to know shut your mouth said a wise old owl business is business and it's a murder most foul yeah to me if everything comes down to what is truth and where did it go that's why to me dylan has released this song at this time um it's, this is all just a a rumination on American culture and the fact that, uh, we live in an era of alternative truth, you know? And I think it's, it's Dylan's, uh, joking, uh, you know, poetic, but also, uh, joking trickster way of, uh, getting us to try to figure out what's this song about. And and ultimately it's just kind of like, well, at this point in time, maybe there isn't
0: any truth anymore.
1: I, I, that, that's what I sort of take away from it. What about you?
0: Well, I hadn't thought about that. I'm trying to find that. Where? Which? Which uh, uh, verse is that in? That line in? I know that is verse
1: three. Verse three. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at the. No, I'm sorry. It's at the very end of
0: verse two. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Sir, uh, frankly, Miss Scarlet, I don't give a damn. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> frankly, Miss Scarlet, there's. Uh, 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 Gone with the Wind, wind, What is the truth, and where did it go? Ask Oswald and Ruby, they ought to know. Shut your mouth. Yeah, business is business, and it's most memorable. Yeah, that's a a memorable line. Of course, just so everybody knows, Oswald and Ruby. Lee Harvey Oswald is the man who pulled the trigger uh, that killed Kennedy, Uh, supposedly, right? We don't know. There is no truth. And what we do know is Jack Ruby, and God, Mick, I'm going to refrain and restrain from going on a riff on Jack Ruby. (laughs) Jack Ruby was a... um, lower level mobster came from Chicago, uh, went down to uh, Dallas and set up a strip club. And he of course was the one who shot uh, Lee Harvey Oswald as hard uh, as the police were leading Har- Oswald uh, to uh, jail and, or no, no was TV, right? yeah, yeah, it, it was court appearance. Yeah. It was a live TV. TV.
1: On live TV. Yeah. So
0: what we didn't see a live TV is Lee Harvey Oswald literally pulling the gun, the, the trigger to kill Kennedy. But what we did see was Jack Ruby shooting Oswald. So it's undisputable that Jack Ruby killed Oswald. You got, and, but why uh, did Ruby do that? And that's one of the, like the chapters in the whole Kennedy assassination conspiracy, uh, mick is that you know there's some people think that ruby did it uh to shut oswald up because he didn't um want oswald giving away the secrets as to who was behind the assassination uh and and then ruby himself always claimed to the day he died that he did it to avenge uh the murder of john kennedy on behalf of jackie Onassis, or excuse me jackie kennedy his john kennedy's um wife so i don't know would you have a yeah
1: and then it was spontaneous that the killing was basically spontaneous that he just was overcome and just had to do it yeah. um and uh and then you know jack ruby himself died i think within like what a, a year or something i think he died of cancer so he was not around to uh i mean certainly it was questioned he gave his account but he was not around for
0: uh, repeated interrogations as the years went, went on. Yeah, I, it's, it was more than a year. I can't remember when. I do know, this is how uh, twisted I am, Mick. Uh, I took a deep dive into Kennedy conspiracy theory. This is why, part of the reason I love this song so much because it melds two things that I'm obsessed with, Bob Dylan and Kennedy, uh, the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> but I actually read um, a book that was written by... Um, Jack Ruby's, I'm not making this up, rabbi uh, who visited Ruby when he was in jail many times and talked to him. And the the rabbi claimed to the very end, Jack Ruby insisted that it was, as you were saying, sort of an impulsive act of vengeance and that he was doing it on behalf of Jackie Kennedy even though, of course, he never met Jackie Kennedy and she, she wouldn't want, obviously wouldn't want him to do this. So uh, I, I don't know what to make of Jack Ruby other than he's just a fascinating character and it adds uh, to the mystery. Well, I'll close with this, Mick, and I'll ask you, do you see uh, any sp- connection, uh, elaborate a little bit on what you've already said, between... What Dylan is talking about this song and what we're dealing with right now as we sit in our homes, uh, you know, talking to each other over the phone as opposed to in a studio, not going into offices on a lockdown, uh, trying to uh, survive the pandemic. Do you see a direct connection?
1: I you, well, I don't know if there's a direct connection. I, I just it's, it's impossible to hear this song and to read the lyrics and not. Think that um, I mean it's it's well. First of all, it was likely recorded before Trump came into office, and certainly well before the outbreak of the coronavirus. So you know, it, it's not like it was written in response to this moment. I mean, he even says in his cryptic tweet, "This is a song from a while back." Mm-hmm. I don't think he was meaning like you know the beginning of February. I think this is probably <laughs> a number of years old, um, but. I do think that it's the fact that he chose to release it now. is certainly about the current moment. Um, Again, all the information, uh, all the social media, and, and now with social distancing on top of it, we have just all this information, yet we can't actually see what's going on. We're unable to, unable or unwilling to sort of say what the truth is. And I just think it's like a song for this moment I mean I just it's just to me it is strange and elusive and also
0: genius all at the same time yeah and one other thing that makes it a perfect song for the moment if you're a a Dylan geek is that we all have a lot of time on our hands and it's this (laughs) 17 minute song it's not even a (laughs) song so you could just sit there (laughs) the other day I was listening to it's sort of like a slow moving meditation isn't it Yeah. yeah and I'm like listening to it, and I go, I just said to myself, you know, I've listened to this thing too many times. (laughs) I got to close it down for the day, Mick, you know. uh, (laughs) I know, I know, I'm with you. All right, but I'll I'll throw one thing out there, then
1: I got to go take another call, and that is that if you really want to geek out after this, you can go listen to his last uh, album of original materials, um, Tempest from 2012, and on that album is a 14-minute song about the Titanic okay so if you really want to dive in there's
0: your assignment then okay all right you know what I'll take you up on that assignment we'll bring you back in a couple weeks to analyze that song all right go do your I, thing I'm man. happy to talk about Bob anytime all right thanks Ben that's the great Mick Dumpkey. I'm Ben Jarofsky take care everybody